Greetings, greetings. Welcome to True Health Live. We're back for episode two, uh, season two, the truth about mental health stigma. So we're going to be talking about that today. Um, but, you know, we've kind of switched it up for how we move now. And we, you know, want to check in with one another, um, especially like this thing about mental health. Like we're a month late for Mental Health Awareness Month, but that's okay because talking about mental health is important and no matter what time of the year it is. So, you know, just checking in and want to know about, um, you know, what's happening in the world today. So, you know, today's topic was about, is about mental health stigma. So it's like, you know, what's happening when it comes to mental health? And so like, how are we faring when it comes to mental health and COVID? You know, how has that affected people? We've been dealing with this for two years now, a little over two years. So what has that done to people? You know, we kind of touched on a little bit of this. Um, greetings, Precious Stephanie. Good thanks, good thanks. We wish you were here too. Um, but that's okay. You're going to get different iterations of um, us in True Health Live. And it's going to be, we're mixing it up. That's the whole goal, mixing it up. Um, but like I was saying, you know, what has that done to us over these past two and a half years? Like, how have we shifted? How have we changed, for better or for worse? You know, we have been sitting on screens for two years. Um, a lot of people have picked up and relocated. We discussed the great resignation because, you know, people are really thinking about their physical, mental, and spiritual health, you know, and that all, you know, touches into one another. So, um, you know, it's important to always kind of just um, touch base and, and think about these things. Um, and so, and as you know, so the True Health Live podcast is a live broadcast and the recordings are uploaded to um, major podcasting platforms. So you can definitely check that out. We'll make sure to put the link in the description below. So yeah, COVID and mental health. And there's not to mention how many mass shootings were there over these past like three weeks, like insane. And you know, a lot of like some questions I know that come up, you know, people are gonna get off because they're gonna claim mental illness, you know, mental insanity. And and there's, there's some, there's some there's some fact checking that has to be done with that. That's not always the case. And and the truth is, if anyone, you know, makes that claim um, and it's successful, you know, I'm gonna have a whole bunch of bells singing and stuff. If anyone makes that claim and it's successful, most likely it always and, and there's an acquittal. I should say not just not successful. Um, excuse me, but if there's an acquittal, most likely it does end up uh, with um, a committing being committed to a psychiatric institution. So there's not like, okay, I did this horrible thing and then I walk off free. No, there's definitely something that follows. There's some action that follows to address that, you know, that you claim that you have mental illness. But we know like, that's not all, that's not the, the breadth of mental illness and the breadth of uh, mental um, illness and mental health stigma. So yeah, I wanted to just like kind of talk about that. I mean, I'm talking too much. Go ahead. I mean, I think I mean, this, topic, I think this topic, topic. Do you hear me clearly? Hear clearly? I hear yeah. feedback. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I think this topic, think is, this so topic is so important for us to have, especially in our communities, um, especially during the time during of the pandemic. pandemic. COVID, COVID. We're technically we're technically that era. That era. You're gonna have things coming up. Even more Even so, more um, so um, as the summer comes around, around the issues. Issues. But I think, I think in the house, house really having to, having to 
focus on self, focus on self but also but doing all things because I kept going kept no matter what, no matter what. At, um, um, allowed people to really focus to really more um, in the midst of doing what they needed to do to do what they have to have to do and I do apologize I hear a very bad bad feedback I don't hear feedback but you sound a little muffled yeah yeah covering the mic but you know, but there there is an echo. So they're saying there is an echo in there. So how about I do this? Is that better? Can you hear me? All right, great. <laughs> okay. So I was saying, um, yeah, during this time of COVID, it, we had to stay home and do what we needed to do for ourselves and then also for those around us. Um, it gave us time to really think through things, um, but some of us were able to navigate that space better than others. Unfortunately, we did see a lot of mental health if, um, issues come up. Folks who probably didn't face their mental and emotional health issues prior were now forced to do that because all we had was time and alone time and space and all that stuff um, to really hone in on what was happening, how we were feeling, how we were dealing with things, rather be professionally or uh, personally. Uh, some people weren't able to navigate that in a healthy way. And so that's why we saw the height of all the violence, you know, and homelessness and all of these things. Um, I'm here in New York. And so we saw quite a bit like on the train with the homeless population, with our elderly um, with our youth, especially, um, it got to a point where everyone was just sick and tired of being inside and just being captivated in the four walls or wherever they were at. They just wanted to come out and engage and interact. And Zoom can only do but so much. The phone, um, what is it? FaceTime can only do but so much. That in-person touch or in-person um, engagement really does play a big part in our social lives. And um that being gone, uh, I just think elevated a lot of things within society and within our communities. Yeah, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like, I think the pressure of like being stuck inside got to a lot of people. I also think that we were forced to to look at the prevalence of mental health, mental illness, right, and social and behavioral health and understand that sometimes it can be very subtle um, and maybe there's um, more people who suffer from different aspects of mental health issues and mental health disorders than we actually realize you know even with ourselves you know how do, how were we affected like you know you get you get like used to moving on this autopilot and then when that autopilot is forced to stop and you actually have to sit with self and your own thoughts it's like, what's happening in that moment? How are you checking in? You know, did you even have the skills to, to check in with yourself and know like what's happening? And, and I think that's also part of mental health, whether there's been a diagnosis or not. So some of it is also um, checking in with ourselves to make sure that we're able to cope, you know, with different happenings and different things. I'm gonna take a second to just acknowledge the chat. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Reading Chief Yuya, uh, and they say that's better. So I think it was maybe, maybe I needed to mute out a little bit. Um, greetings, um, Master Menulek. Greetings, uh, greetings. <laughs> greetings, Aquia Bisa. 
Um, uh, Precious sent me says that's so true. Human interaction and engagement is a huge part of mental health maintenance. Yeah. And, and people were missing one another. Um, so many conversations I've been on where, you know, teams are trying to figure out ways to go back into the office because that sitting and engaging just on a screen, like how long have we just been engaging on a screen in this room? We haven't seen one another physically in so long. And that can be, you know, such a, a downer, you know? And so some people with great resignation and all, there are still some people who are like, you know, itching to get back into workspaces or not even, not necessarily just workspaces or just doing things where they're engaging with other people. I know for me, I enjoy dance. And so when I was able to like few times last summer, like during, um, you know, when there was a lull, I think this was like pre-Delta and all the subsequent uh, variants, I was able to take with my sister take a dance class like I think we did it three times um in person it was so like gratifying like just being outside and being like in physical space with other people and also doing something that was like spiritually and physically uplifting and just movement was so amazing I can't even describe it um but it was great to be in space you know and just be outside so yeah no that reminds no, that that reminds me of um, like when you're on the treadmill indoors, it's not the same experience as going outside for a walk, right? It's so much more, it's like refreshing, your energy levels go up, you're more motivated. It, it's, you're feeding your soul. So I think like it's a pro and a con. I think us being home allowed us to just sit still and really hone in on ourselves and what we need to do for ourselves, emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And then on the other side, it's also, but I do have to step out. I have to, you know, get some fresh air, let the sun hit my skin because that too helps, you know, helps pull you out of like a depression or if you're feeling down and out, all those little things matter. Um, and what I like was, what I've learned about myself is that I like that hybrid option. So I love to be home. I love to save money. Who does not, <laughs> right? Who doesn't like to save money? Um and I like having the I like having full control over my time and how I work when I work and I we we tend to know when we are at the height like right uh, at the peak where okay this hour is my best time to work and be creative and so on and so forth, but then going into an office to collaborate, it, it and or even if it's not an office but just the space to collaborate with colleagues I think works out well too because there's sometimes that I need to get things done fast. And Zoom is not good enough. Texting ain't good enough. You know, all the instant messages, it doesn't get, it's to me slows things down. So having a hybrid choice was very well because it worked very well because it allowed me to um, operate in a space that made me really comfortable and really helped me um, control, have control over the work and the, the time I dedicated to things. But then being able to connect with colleagues was awesome because it was like, this just is a quick question and answer in person. Whereas if I had to send an email or whatnot, there were so many delays. And then just having that genuine, you know, hey, how you doing? How you know, let's grab lunch, catch up, things like that. I think all of that goes into our overall well-being as well, because it's not strictly just about work. It's about, you know, like I said, like we both said it before, engaging and having authentic conversations and connections so we can um, continue to, you know, to feed every part of ourselves, right? Because um, it doesn't have to always be work. It could be play as well. But again, 
it allows us to grow. It allows us to take away all the worries and all the things that are, you know, that might be bringing us down a little, um, like our feelings or however we operate day to day. Uh, just that, you know, just that in interaction makes a world of a difference. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It's always, it's key to like take into account what's what's happening up top, the mental, right? The mind, because, you know, how many times do we, and this comes from um, a text that I read and, and try to make sure that I touch at least, you know, and lay eyes upon and read and take something in every day called the Anu Way. And it's, you know, a tone that I follow, of course, along with scripture. And it talks about like those mental meanderings, right? Like where do we allow our mind to go? Um, you know, and what we allow to seep in, you know, that noise that has to be shut, I'm paraphrasing, that noise that has to be shut off. We have to be, you know, mindful of ways that we allow um, our minds to just kind of go off. And then what, when we leave that door open, what's allowed to come in, right? Absolutely. Because with everything happening now, every time you, you know, we, I think we touched on this last time, you turn on the television, you go to social media, so all these horrendous things taking place. And so you do really have to be cognizant and conscious of what you're taking in. It's great to be well-informed, but be well aware of what's happening um, without taking in all of that, you know, the emotional grief of it. And sometimes it's hard. It's hard not to feel, right, for your fellow um, brother, sister, just the human. Um, but we have to understand that take it, like making it ours is not going to change right? It's not going to change anything. What's going to change anything is, is us going out there and making a difference. It's like through policy change, through the work that we're doing, having these candid conversations. Um, because we all know mental health and emotional health isn't a conversation we normally have in our communities. No one wants to talk about it. No one wants to bring it up. Um, I'll use myself as an example. I do believe in my family that there are mental and emotional health issues, but no one has ever talked about it mm -hmm. until my generation. And yeah. so how I raise my daughter is very different than how my parents raised me, how my mom talked to me and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Our engagement is a lot different, right? So I want to make sure that she is emotionally tended to and that she understands that the power of communication and understanding and that you know, it's okay to let your feelings out. It's okay to, um, if your every day is not sunshine and roses, right? But help yeah. her navigate that because she understands it. She practices a healthy way through life, you know, life changes. But then that will replicate into how she moves in this world as an individual, you know, later on as a partner, as a parent, so on and so forth. And she has friends. So that can roll over to the friends as well and how to have a good relationship. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because that pulls us right into like talking about like the stigma, like you talked about, you know, family and, and people being understanding. And so, you know, the first thing you know, is like, you know, if we're going to have a conversation on this topic, it's like, we need to know like what the words mean. <laughs> What is stigma, right? You know, because we use words all the time, but then it's like, do we really understand what they mean, right? Um, and I didn't get a chance to like, honestly, I was like, I didn't get a chance to dig into it as much as I want, because I know, you know, 
if we're gonna look into it, it's like, where does it come from? What's the root? So we do have people in the chat. So like, if you can like look up the root, but I'm gonna give like the blanket general definition of stigma being, you know, negative attitudes of discrimination, you know, on certain people, persons or individuals based on distinguished characteristics um, that um, are just, you know, discriminated against or not liked by the public, you know? And so it's like a blanket negative opinion. And when it comes to mental health, it's negative attitudes um, or disapproval or shame put on people who live with mental illness or um, seek help for emotional distress, right? So like how many times have you been like, well, you, you're talking to somebody, you're seeing somebody. And we have all of these, you know, we have a day for every day. There's something that's being celebrated every day. And there's a whole month you know, for mental health awareness, but these things still happen, like, you know, and they happen, you know, there's different causes for it. You know, there's, you know, there's the social piece of it, the social, um, the social stigma, the social stigmatizing, and then there's the self-stigmatizing. So like the self-stigmatizing is, you know, sometimes a direct result of the social, you know, and that's like that internalization of the negative stereotypes that are kind of heaped upon you. And that social stigma, you know, stigmatization, it comes from different elements, like lack of um, knowledge or awareness. So like basically ignorance of, you know, a particular mental health issue. And there's plenty, you know, that we can pull from anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, post-traumatic stress uh, disorder. You know, that's a big one. You know, there's been people overseas, you know, fighting for, at this point, some of us are like, what is it now? And they come back, you know, they return home. And if they've seen active duty, there's all sorts of issues that they're dealing with and not necessarily always able to get the help that they need. And so what happens is, you know, then they're, they're left to these elements, right? Of social stigmatization, like, you know, people not understanding what their issue is because maybe they've internalized what they have and it's like, well, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to be looked at differently. But then when, you know, maybe something happens, maybe something is said, people are like, there, there's that ignorance. There's that level of ignorance. So, you know, and I could go on and on and on, but I will, you know, pause <laughs> for you to like share, you know, some of that, um, you know, what you think and your thoughts on that. And then I'll go to the chat. Oh yeah, no, oh, I'm, yeah, no, I'm Oh, you have to mute. <laughs> I saw someone said that it's on my side when Deidre's unmuted. Um, so thank you guys for that. No, I completely agree. Well, you know what I wanted to say as you were talking to, I noticed as I've gotten older, like these conversations about uh, mental health and emotional health, back in the days, like we weren't having them, right? Because no one had it with us. So as you're growing, no one is talking about it. Your friends aren't. And I had old, older friends as well. Now I have those very same friends but that we're, because we're all older, I have even my male friends calling me like, hey, do you know of a therapist or someone I can talk to and whatnot? And I think that is so powerful because it shows our growth. It shows that we're doing the independent work, acknowledging that, you know, these things are here and that, you know, through life, we're going to bump into different scenarios. We're going to experience different things um, and we're going to get triggered for whatever reason, right? Because um, we all have layers that we need to peel back and, and, you know, with self-discovery and rediscovering and things of that nature. But I love to see when we are at a point of not only having the conversation and identifying, um, you know, mental health and emotional health issues, but when we're asking for help, like 
I've tried, but I couldn't get here. I couldn't find the kind of person I want to or the provider I want to. Can you help me? And not being afraid to ask for help or feeling ashamed or any type of way, no matter what society thinks, right? Or what the other person thinks or another family member thinks. Just being, being, having the courage and being brave enough to say, you know what? I think I need to talk to someone outside of my circle, right? Um, so I think that's the, a powerful thing. And that's a message that we want to share with our youth and, and also our peers too. Um, the, the, the part about sharing outside of yourself or outside of like your circle is so key because a lot of the times like we, we fail to recognize like, well, many times like our circles doing the same thing we're doing. Right. Or if it's, um, sharing outside of your circle, it's okay to do that because maybe if you're thinking that, you know, there will be some sort of like a stigmatization if you share inside your circle, feel safe enough to like go and find that help elsewhere, you know, wherever you need, wherever you need it, because that's that first step to, you know, not getting locked into that step internalization that self stigma um, and being able to say, like you said, like, I need, I need help. And, and I, I need you to tell me, help me figure out where to go to get it. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm going to go to the chat really quick. Um, so many like says, very true authentic interactions um in person are crucial trying to rational rationalize being isolated can only work for so long after a while the cabin fever is real like it's like fomo on steroids like what is happening outside yeah i need to get outside um i had this joke with like a few friends in high school and we used to like dream about getting outside and we had this assignment where we had to make up our own periodical ta table of elements and one of the elements was outside you know, <laughs> we were just like daydreaming of being outside it is real like being just getting out is real you know and 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 the locations and where we have those human interactions matter they matter they really make a difference um our queen abisa says i found that there are many nurses who haven't taken the time to acknowledge um acknowledge the mental and emotional toll COVID has taken on them. I've created a space for discussion and the outpour is amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. That, that is, I want to chime in on that. I think that is amazing. I give you hugs and kisses virtually because um, so often in, in healthcare, even providers that are just like bypassing that, especially with black and African-American people, people of color, um, and folks are getting lost in the, in the system because no one's taking the time to address it. And the fact that there are nurses who are, because the nur nurses are our first point of contact, right? Before you even see a doctor, <laughs> you're going to see a nurse. Um, so I love to hear that, that the nurses are taking the initiative because you're meeting with the patients. And there's, um, then we also have, we have nurse navigators, we have patient navigators who are taking the time to do that. And so it's awesome that you have created a safe space for patients to communicate because there's always a piece in in a patient's care that you know mental health should come up there should be some sort of screening sometimes people can't even identify when there is a issue or there's something to work through but if you do the proper 
you take the proper steps and, and implement a system where you can have these conversations or do like a little survey, you can find, you can figure it out with the patient and together work on a, a treatment plan or just a plan to help them navigate and help them transition to maybe a specialist, a therapist or whatnot. Um, so I, I commend you and I'm happy to hear that. And there's another part I'll comment when you read, when you get to that one. You're still muted. I was laba laba. <laughs> I was saying Aguia is um, also a nurse and she's a case manager, you know. So for those of you who are watching and listening, definitely like look out for her. I would say go to the video, you know, because you won't be able to see it on a podcast because it's audio. So you can definitely check out. I'll put her information below if you want to contact her because she, um, she's awesome at it. And um, we'll put it in the description box. So you can just come come on over and subscribe to True Health Live on YouTube. And uh, her information will be there. Um, uh, Dr. Gertrude, welcome, welcome. She says, stigma meaning mark or brand. Right. And so let's give thanks. Give thanks for that. Somebody was listening and did some homework. Um, it's a mark or brand. And that's exactly what we do when we, stick, when we label someone. That's a mark or a brand. Um, we're saying, oh, well, they have this. So, you know, we'll chalk it up as this or that or the other without like actually looking into. And we have a surprise. Um, so Precious Stephanie, she is back. She actually had a board meeting, so she's able to join us. So I'm going to add her to the stream to, you know, contribute to this great discussion. Um, peace, Precious, how are you? Peace, peace. Great. I'm great. Good evening, everyone. How could I not be here? And it was mental health. <laughs> mental health awareness. So thank you. I thought the, the discussion was really, really great. So I'm happy to be able to join. Good, good, good. Um, before we um, go back to like our discussion, I want to like kind of go back over to the chat. Peace, Anu Radio. Uh, Kriya says, while nurses care for others who are mentally ill, there are some who don't speak or care for their own. To include myself, I had to learn to tend to myself. That is so, that's such a powerful share. Is that the comment you were talking about? Um, that and that, another that, the next one. And she says, it's hard sometimes to get the help needed in the mental health arena. It sometimes takes two or three therapists before finding a good fit. Oh, interesting. I just want to say, um, yes, it's great. We talk about mental health. We advise on it. And quite often, we we always give good advice. It's like being in a relationship. You give good advice to everybody else, but you don't take it for yourself. <laughs> so when we're talking about self-care and self-love and, th and things of that nature and focusing on our mental health, we can we can help and guide folks and give them our advice and um, help them navigate through many systems. Um, and sometimes it is hard for us to focus because we're so focused on everyone else that we kind of neglect ourselves, but it's important. It is so important that we circle back to us because we are no good to anyone if we're no good to ourselves, right? So we have to make sure that we prioritize on checking in with ourselves, carving out time to do the things that make us happy and fulfilled. Um, and also, if we we should have an outlet because some therapists, most therapists that I know, actually, they have a therapist, too. So the therapist has a therapist. <laughs> and so that should tell us, well, OK, I'm here helping and I'm in the community and I'm doing X, Y and Z. But 
I need to make sure that I'm helping myself as well. And it, 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 it can be easier said than done, but it can be done. And that's a personal personal priority that you'll have to make with yourself. And just tapping into the next uh, comment about sometimes having multiple um, therapists. I've been there and done that. And listen, no one therapist, you may not, if you're lucky, like it's the best thing. If you have a therapist and you go and you're like, oh my God, this is my, this is the one. Kudos to you. But it can take multiple tries and that's okay because every everybody's different and how you connect with with your therapist is definitely important because you want to be able to be open and honest and you don't want to feel pressured and you don't want to feel judged and if you feel that way with a therapist then that is that's a red light (laughs) to say like okay i need i need to go let me exit right i had i had an incident like that where a therapist um told me Oh, wow. I would have never, I've shared something with her and she said to me, oh, wow, you look so well put together and everything is perfect in your life. And, and that was like, what? (laughs) I was like, wait a minute, that just rubbed me the wrong way. And I definitely cut ties because she was being judgmental. And so even though I am what you see, it doesn't mean I have to give you everything, right? And so if I'm coming to a therapist, this is supposed to be a safe space. This is supposed to be me unpacking things, you helping me to unpack things um, and really just get to the root of whatever's bothering me or, you know, helping me learn to cope, right? Um, So when you hear certain things and it makes you feel uneasy or makes you uncomfortable, that is your cue to politely bow out and continue your search. And even if it gets um, a little challenging, don't be discouraged because you're gonna find your your, your perfect. <laughs> and I don't, not even perfect, but you're gonna find the right connection and you're gonna be so happy with that. But you don't know unless you give it a try, but don't get discouraged and um, say, you know what? It's too hard or it's too many of them and they're not getting me. You're gonna find your match. You know, when, when I read queer Bisa's question um, statement in the in the chat it, it it made me think about preparation and how you know we do, we prepare you know if you are expecting you know you need an OBGYN if you are if you have children you assume you're going to have a pediatrician in your, you know, in your phone, I was going to say in your Rolodex, those don't exist, but in your phone, I I know, I don't know why that came to mind. Um, We don't, we don't prepare for the necessity of having like mental health care practitioners um, that we're familiar with. And because we don't necessarily always have the conversation um, the way it's being had here today, you know, Anushka, your people may, may know because of your your openness, right? That, okay, well, Anushka, th- this was her experience, so I know I can go to her. Um, but many of us do not. We don't share that, you know, we're seeking or have sought out um, mental health care or even um, spiritual supports because it doesn't have to be a, a practitioner in the sense of, you know, I'm going to a psychologist or a social worker or to, you know, a, a clinical therapist in that sense. Um, it could be, you know, s- supports through pastoral services, right? Um, but what's important is that you're prepared in advance because as Aquia stated in the chat, it can be very difficult, not just to find the right therapist, but to, to, com- to come up with the right treatment plan. 
And so the more we talk about this, the um, willfully, the more each of us become, you know, prepared and aware of the need to, to have resources on hand because I may not need them. But what if someone else needs them? At least if they reach out to me, they know, okay, this is what this is what I have. Um, that could be a support for you. And I would say for those of us that are in the mental health care field, um, that's what we become. We become that phone call when the breakdown is actively happening or the cry when, you know, loved ones or or friends of, you know, and their loved ones are actively experiencing a break. Um, and that can be a really challenging time to have to navigate healthcare forms and referrals and, you know, all of the, the, the medical, the formal process of it all. Um, so just, just something, you know, for us to think about connected to this topic. That's right. That's right. Oh. <laughs> I just wanted to say, Precious, I agree with the being prepared because what I started noticing was that my friends and family would contact me. So I kept a running list and my, the one, the, the, the physicians that I do know, or the ones that I have experience with, or that I, I know folks who have, I keep them in my phone. So when someone asks me, well, I need, you know, such and such kind of doctor, I have it to go to because it's just like, we're, like I said, the older we get, I think the wiser we become. And so mental health kind of eases up at least the people that I'm engaging with. Right. But then also um, what I have, challenges with now is when my male friends are asking me, I need a, a mental health or um, a therapist or a counselor, but they have to be, you know, a person of color and male. That's where the challenge becomes a little bit more, right? Because they're, they're not many, there are some, and I have one go-to person that I always go, that I send folks to all the time. And I'm like, I know you're tired of me, <laughs> but you're, you're the person, right? But now he's, um, he works with veterans specifically. So it's like, you know, but there are ways, there are definitely ways. And if we stay prepared um, for ourselves and our love, our loved ones in our community, it's, you know, each one helps, you know, you, one person helps another and it can just be a trickle down effect. Yeah. I, I think that key word was community because it, it's, it's taught, it's so important. Um, and especially as you talked about, like, you know, it's hard to find basically someone who is, um, melanin dominant and male, right? So it speaks to the importance of having brotherhood and sisterhood and, and community where you can go and be in that safe space. You know, even that in and of itself is toward that prepping, you know, that being prepared that you talked about earlier, Precious. Um, you know, that's even being prepared. It's like, what and who am I surrounding myself by so that I know that my mental that my mind is safe, you know, and that it can evolve as it needs to and not just like go down into the depths of who knows where, um, you know, so it's important to be surrounded by people because it, it, it's the part of overcoming, right? Um, if, if you're at that stage where you have to overcome, um, having the, whether they be blood relatives or family that you have um, created from finding people who are like you, your A likes, you know, whether it be those people um, through blood or, or otherwise, it's important to have um, that safe haven um, available to you. Um, I want to say, Aquia Bisa. Uh, oh, you're welcome. She's, you're welcome for the shout out. Roll the deck top. I mean, technically, 
you know, the phone can be like, it's your digital Rolodex. <laughs> I think people still say, well, you just use your finger. You still use it because before you used to flip. <laughs> you just use one finger now and it scrolls up. It's still a scrolling. Um, she says, right, you know, precious, there are other avenues of support aside uh, therapists. I've never thought of preparing to have support. Good mention. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's important. And we know that our people, and I'll say melanin dominant people, and I'm not excluding myself from this conversation, we don't prepare. We don't prepare. We have to do better at preparing because this is getting ridiculous. It's getting out of hand. You know, many of the shows when we're talking about like a lot of the public health issues that we cover, a lot of it is because we're not preparing. We're talking about food. We're talking about clothing and shelter. A lot of it is because we don't prepare. And that's just a raw truth that needs to be said. You know, we have to prepare. So that was, you know, really key that you um, mentioned that. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, we don't, oops, sorry. So we don't prepare in many instances, but particularly, you know, when it comes to mental health and the stigma therein, there's almost like, not almost, it's not just a lack of preparedness, it's, it's a lack of even wanting to acknowledge um, because the, the mark of it is so unattractive still. Even though we, many of us experience some sort of mental infirmity, right, at a time in our lives. Um, and it could be something as organic as, you know, experiencing a challenging time, a challenging cycle in life, experiencing a loss, um, going through, as, as Aquia um, touched on in the chat, being a healthcare worker and going through COVID, there are certain things that I could share here all day with the two of you about leading a hospital during the time of COVID that only other healthcare providers, or dare I say some of the information only leaders could relate to um, that were, that are indelibly marked on me, you know, having, I'll, I'll share one, Having not knowing that if your patient expired, um, that there was room in the morgue at the county at the at the local hospital because they were inundated and being told, well, we'll be sending freezer trucks for you to keep on the grounds. It's like, wait, what am I supposed to do with the freezer trucks? Oh, oh boy. This is how bad it may get. This is how this, like those sort of things are, yeah, you need to talk about them. <laughs> um, and and much, much more, much more the healthcare workers, like the, the frontline nursing staff and housekeeping staff and dietary staff and, and all of those ancillary providers. Um, so while we don't prepare in many instances, with mental health in particular, there's almost like throwing a blind eye. Um, and that's the part that we, we often have to push past. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and it's a, a reality that many of us like have not had a chance to experience, like, you know, all of our experiences during COVID were different and, and to varying degrees. So like, 
for me, I don't know how I would be able to, to deal with like freezer trucks being brought and then knowing like what goes inside and I have to be the one to make the decision to, you know, how to utilize them and also being mindful of the team that's under me and how they're, you know, faring with having to utilize them as well, you know? So yeah, I totally agree. Um, Aquia says, now that I think about it in our battle plans, in our battle plans, it does ask who is that support. So in our community, in our new, we do battle plans for the year. And it's literally like your strategy, like how am I going to punch this year in the face and come out shining on the other side? And part of that is like, you know, listing like all the things that you want to accomplish within reason, you know, you, you, you're not going to make yourself like wear yourself out and then definitely absolutely need to have, you know, speak to someone and lay on the couch. Um, but definitely like within reason and it does, uh, you know, what's your support. And right now, like, you know, we're going through task exercises, like, who can you delegate things to, you know, thinking about like, you know, mental health and like kind of protecting that mental space. It's like, how much are we taking on? Are we taking on too much to the point to where we get overwhelmed? You know, so what can be delegated? What can you kind of share? You know, how can you share the workload um, to, to lessen the mental load? Right. Um, so, yeah, that's what we do. Uh, and that's the importance of the, the battle plan. Yeah, it's not the middle, like freezer trucks. Yeah, there was a, it was a thing in New York City, like the freezer trucks. Yeah, interesting. Uh, yes, to talk about constant code blues in the hospital, just send me. Right, Akri, you were in the hospital as well. So like, I can only imagine um, what that's like. Um, so I want to go into um, overcoming, you know, as we, you know, start to wrap it up and we can like, you know, uh, wrap it up on overcoming like and what some ways are and we pretty much touched on them you know and the first one was like you know making sure you have that community um you know it's just like don't isolate you know prepare and have that community around you so if you find yourself in that in that way where you need um emotional support or support for a mental um or be social and behavioral disorder that you may have you are fully equipped um, to deal with it because you have people around you who are also equipped and also um, don't have that ignorance. There's not that negative attitude or discrimination, which are all the things that um, contribute to stigma, that social stigma, and also to self-stigma where you internalize and become the disease. Um, and I'll, I'll open it up to the floor, like, you know, what are some other things? And also share in the chat, you know, what are some other things that people can do to overcome I'll jump in really quickly. So overcoming, a piece of overcoming is acknowledging some of the preventative measures, right? Um, in some, and in some instances, these may be corrective measures because you didn't use them to prevent. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't touch on the, you know, putting a lid on environmental pollutants as best you can. Um, but definitely the pollutants that you place in your body by way of your diet and nutrition, because that you can control, um, or even the chemicals that we use to clean our homes and clean our foods. We often don't make an association between those things. I mean, we should with the food, right? But we, we may not with the toxins that are in the lotions and the soaps and the detergents that we use in our home. But they have the potential to make a huge impact in 
the um, in your body, right, on your hormones and how in your ability to um, process uh, and even even stave off infection, right? Um, so that's another piece of overcoming that I don't want us to lose sight of. Um, because we, we don't, especially when it comes to mental health. Now, if I, if you had some sort of, um, physical ailment or what, what we call, you know, behavioral health care versus acute care, you may look at, oh yeah, let me change my eating, but you may not associate it with mental health. You may only think that your option is a therapist and psychopharm, which are, you know, prescription mental health drugs. Um, but that's not necessarily the case, or it can be used to, to, to balance, to help balance you. So, yeah. You know what? Right. (laughs) How does sovereignty, this is true. This is true. (laughs) This is true. And you know, go visit Sovereignty's channel. She has a video talking about that gut brain connection because I wanted to connect it back to the food, you know, and people not realizing like it's a real thing because um, especially when it comes to sugar, sugar is more addictive than crack. You know, it, it is it is addictive and it really is one of those substances that is a really good study when it comes to the gut brain connection. It's like once it's there, you know, then there's like bacterium in your stomach from the things that you eat that sends signals to your brain and say, I want more. I want more. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like I remember when I was younger, my parents and, and the adults in my family would always be like, no, um, have water while you're eating food or, or drink, you know, whatever drink it's going to be. If it's not water, drink it afterwards because you'll be drinking all through the meal and then you won't leave room for the food. In addition to that, it's like the more sugary drinks you want, you're going to want more. And I remember learning that from way back. Like, you're going to drink that Kool-Aid, you're going to want more. Have this water in between, you know, or you have one cup and then everything else is water after that. Because there is some, there is that instinct, like, no, there's something off with this, like, and I'll say refined sugar, because there are things that we can get natural sugar in um, and they're totally fine. You know, dates are a really good substitute, you know, for things that are sugary. They are very sweet and it's natural. You know, fruit has its own sugar. But, you know, I think that was key to mention because the gut-brain connection is real. So, like I said, I'll also put Sabrinit's information in the chat as well and you can learn that. So, again, visit us on YouTube and you'll be able to find all that information. Yeah, that's... That's awesome. And I see also in the chat too, like someone says uh, proper rest is important, definitely. And having, um, you know, the work-life balance, I think is just a life balance. And then for us, I'm one of those people that work from home. And trust me, I have to have very strong boundaries (laughs) with that because there's times I found myself at this computer, all three screens for too many hours. And I'm just like, okay, no, I haven't even gone outside. So yes, you have to have a healthy boundary between work time and when it's time to rest and take care of self. And, you know, if you have a family and do the things that really make you happy. And so really it brings us back to what's most important to us. Right. And I think touching like overcoming and touching on the things that will help us overcome. So of course, yes, if you, if you have a community of people to talk to, that's amazing, but we all know not everybody has community. And it can be a little difficult to engage with folks, right? 
Um, so I think the best thing we can do for ourselves is start with self, right? Start with, you know, self-love and self-care. Do the little things that makes you happy and that's going to help kind of balance out the pressures or the worry. Um, eating healthier, making healthier eating choices is definitely one of them. Like Precious said, we have to be mindful of what we're taking in because some things, if you really notice and you want to you be intentional about it, as you're eating, see how you feel after you eat. What? How does it make you feel? Are you down and sluggish? Like if you eat a big old steak and whatnot, and or if you have fruits and you know what I mean? What time of day are you eating things? And exactly, you know, organic, not organic, whatever the case may be. But I think a lot of this overcoming has to be intentional. You have to want it for yourself. And then by wanting it, you're being mindful and being um, wise about your choices. I'm going to go for this stroll. Okay, it's raining outside. I can't go for a walk outdoors, but I'll get on this treadmill. If I don't have a treadmill, I'm going to stand in my house and just walk, you know? Um, so there's ways to do things and um, alternatives, but we really have to center, get back to the center of us, what we want in short-term goals and long-term goals, eating better, making healthier eating choices, making sure there's movement, daily movement in our lives. And then also taking some rest time, rather, you know, you're getting a full eight hours of sleep um, or if you're meditating or you're breathing, breathing helps. It helps the nerves, just like best practices with that, um, doing Zumba, whatever the case may be. Those are small things that people sometimes, they overlook that, but it makes a world of a difference in your overall well-being. And then when you do that and you're comfortable, then you can go ahead and do all the other things too. So if you can't immediately find a therapist and if a therapist is not the route you want to go, spiritually is big too. What I do sometimes when I don't want to talk to anyone, I go by the water. For some reason, I love the ocean. It makes me calm. That wind does something to me. And I just sit. I sit still and I breathe and I talk to God. I, I, I write. If I want to journal something, I'll journal. If I just want to do any like little practices that make me happy, I do that. And it, it, it helps. And then it, it brings clarity as well. So we all have different things. It's just a matter of pinpointing what it is and incorporating it in our day-to-day -day or making time, making time for it. Um, because that's what's going to help our overall, help us overall. You know, while you were sharing, Anushka, another another strategy um, that came to mind is a bit more self awareness, and that that's always a challenging one. I I, I find um, I don't know, maybe everybody else has it like down, but um, being able to identify your triggers. Like, even if it means dialing it back a little bit, like pulling that thread, how, how did I get here? Because sometimes it's, it's a culmination of things that lead up to um, mental fatigue, right? Because I know when we say mental, mental health awareness, um, the mind often goes to the most chronic um, mental illnesses, right, that there are. But there's such a there's such a vast difference between um, just mental fatigue and schizophrenia, right? Very, very different. Very, very different. Um, but many of us won't. Many of us are don't have that predisposition or won't experience that sort of um, mental break. But you will experience mental fatigue in many instances. So being able to understand how you're packing things in to your to your to your your head, your thoughts, your mind, your body, right? We spoke about the food. 
um, and how you can kind of decompress and unpack. So I like a lot of the, the tools that you identified, Anushka. Um, so just that idea of awareness came to mind. I think you touched on writing things, but yeah, journaling for sure. And somehow, um, something that I've been exploring lately is um, yoga nidra. If you don't know about yoga nidra, it is great. So um, yeah, it's, it's like sleep yoga, but it's so much more than just sleep yoga. Like it's so much more than someone saying mantras or saying, you know, calming, soothing words to lull you into a restful state. Um, it can also be used to listen to affirming words, even to um, help you get over some of the like sugar addiction. It can be used in so many ways. So I encourage you, if you're interested, you know, whomever you are might be, to look into Yoga Nidra and all of its uses and practices beyond just lulling you into sleep. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was, I'm happy I was able to hop on in. This was a really good discussion. Yeah. Um, you met, You also mentioned like, you know, talk to God, right? And I think that is so key. Like I, I have had to, and this was not even on my own, right? Because I like, you know, and I did share like, you know, we, we talked about, you may, we all may go through cycles where we have to address the mental and like the transition of a parent can be that. And so I was definitely there and still am in some cases, you know, in some days. Um, and I was, you know, guidance and instruction was given to me, like talk with God, commune with God, read scripture, you know, and, and meditate. And so those are the things that I've been doing. You talked about meditation. I'm like, listen, I had to like put on the schedule for an hour, there's an hour blocked meditation. And I'm not just like sitting there. Sometimes I just go on outside and stand in the sun. I'm just like roaming around the house. I'm just not focused on any of the external outside noise. I'm just like standing in the sun in silence, you know? And, and it has helped. I have done like the yoga, like take like 20 minutes in a day. I'm just gonna do this yoga. And it's amazing because I think not only is it good for the body, and as Anu Radio says, like having engagement, engaging movement plan is key. It's not only good for the body, but it's good for that spiritual, you know, to like just take minutes, take some time for yourself and move the body. Because as you've said, um, you know, we're just sitting here. We, I know the three screens all too well. And, and going forth and forth, back and forth between this screen and that screen. And then I have two other screens on standby just in case one dies or something's acting crazy and I got to go somewhere else. So yeah, like totally understand. Like, and it's good to just like push all the noise out and do, do, do for self. So I think that's, you know, key. And I did want to bless and love. Peace, brother fruit. Peace, peace, peace. Alevarares. Peace. Um, I wanted to also share, you're right. Some people don't have community. And so I do want to share on here, you know, it's, it's important to look for community, especially like righteous community that, you know, can uplift you and not just like people who are just like, we just here together and we just going to com commiserate on our misery and just keep doing the same thing. You want to evolve. And so I will say like Anu Life Global Ministries is a great place to do that. You can visit the website at www.anulifeglobal.org. And that is a community. That's a community that I'm a part of. And we definitely, you know, 
um, focus on elements of living in the way that we live our lives, scripture, you know, based on scripture, scriptural text, um, to move past those, as I mentioned earlier, those mental meanderings that we let in the way so that we can be prepared for dealing with mental health and not have to deal with the mental health stigma that comes along with it. So thank you so much, Anishka and Precious, for mentioning those things. And I'll also put all that information will be in the chat. So if you want to see it, you want to figure out where it is, go um, visit the chat, like, share, and subscribe. Yes, remove yourself. Aquia Visa says remove yourself from the environment. Is money or peace of mind most important? Right. And I think it's peace of mind. It is. Yeah. And with that, when you, what you'll find is when you follow that peace of mind, everything else comes together perfectly um, because it's, it's, it's connected more so to purpose, right? Because when you're, and we've spoken about this before, when we're moving on purpose, you're following, right? Or you're adhering to the mind of the most high, the, the, your creator. And so it's like, how, how would things not come together? Um, so yeah, definitely. And one quick thing too, with peace of mind, the more peace of mind you have, the stronger you are, the stronger willpower you have. So if someone comes poking at you and trying to disrupt that peace, you're like, wait a minute, no, <laughs> because you know what it feels like now, right? It's been an everyday thing. It's like you've made, you've done the work and you've been intentional. And so when the outside things come in, trying to poke and disrupt, disrupt it, you're like, no, I'm not having it. And so that self-awareness is there, right? That That's part of, that's self-care and self-love. So yes, to peace of mind, a thousand, a thousand percent. Yep. And I think that's enough said, enough said. So yeah, so today was the truth about mental health stigma. So we have taken this conversation up, down, sideways, around and around and back. And we'll probably be back here again because we're going to talk about a lot of things this season. This is only episode two. So episode three, you spoke of yoga. Um, so I will that everyone joins us for episode three because we are going to have a guest join us, Fruits of Life Yoga. Um, you can follow her on Instagram and she is a yogi, a mom, and she's going to you know, come and talk about her experience and like what she does in comedic yoga. So I think like, you know, there'll be so much information, so, so much to talk about since we also have our own personal resident yogi in the mix. Um, so yeah, so I'm trying to figure out if we should do like some live yoga, but we'll confer about that behind the scenes and see if that makes sense. So definitely join us, join us. Um, it's, uh, in two weeks, we're gonna be on Thursday, June 23rd, uh, and we'll be here live with Roots of Life Yoga, episode three, which is our Mind, Body, Soul series, and we're talking about the body, yoga bodies. So peace, everyone. Thank you for joining us at True Health Live, and we'll see you in the forward. Peace. peace. <laughs>